Break Podcast number 28. Happy New Year, everybody. It's a Vort man and me. Talk a little Jets, like always. What's going on, Vort? Not much. Happy New Year. Happy to be doing the first one of 2021 and hoping first of many for this year and many more. Well, we did 27 in about two and a half months. So at that pace, we'll do, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw numbers out there, like 100 this year. So that's not too bad. Looking forward to each one of them. Before we jump into this game in particular, I know this podcast is meant to do the preview for the final game of the regular season, and there's a lot of things to discuss on the game. But I definitely want to say that the next week after we do the uh, the recap on Sunday, uh, I definitely want to do a podcast middle of next week. There's, there are a lot of things going on with the possibility of Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. So is there a slim to none, but at least a slim possibility that uh, Urban Meyer goes with Ohio State? connection and takes fields so already a couple of things on the horizon we're discussing and hopefully the main topic will be the dismissal of adam gase so mark your calendar looking forward to a tuesday or wednesday night podcast next week but for this one i definitely want to focus on the last game of the regular season i hope we'll do one sunday night after well i guess that's tomorrow night after the game i mean adam gase being fired does not deserve to wait three days my friend we gotta we gotta nail that one out tomorrow night you're right yeah and we definitely do one tomorrow because we always discuss the game after but as far as the game at hand i have to tell you this is uh from the time we started doing these podcasts and game predictions this is the toughest prediction of the season for me simply because there's so many variable factors number one i'll put it out there i think we have a matchup of two of uh two of the worst quarterbacks in the league to me sam Darnold, the way he's played this season cam newton have been absolute trash you can put carson wentz in there if you want to go outside of the jets box but it's just two bad teams there's no way around it and the funny thing is obviously as bad as jets have been they are they chose the ideal time when nothing matters except losing the top draft pick they are peaking. I think they're going to be confident and they're going to want to finish the season on a high note. And it is still a rivalry game, even though New England doesn't really look at it that way because they absolutely owned the Jets. I think the Jets do look at it as a rivalry game and a game that matters for personal pride. While looking at New England, I think they're kind of playing out the stretch. They're not used to be in this position. They're, they're out of it. The team has not looked good, and it all starts with the quarterback position. But I can never count out Belichick and the Patriots against the Jets. So it's one of those things where I can see it going every every which way imaginable. So pinning down the score was not easy. I am going to submit my prediction. But uh, what about you? How are you finding this week? Do you see any pattern or do you kind of are you all over the place like me? No, I have, I have no idea at all. I mean, I, I could totally see the Jets kicking their asses because the Patriots stink. As you said, the Jets are kind of on a roll. So I could see that momentum continuing. But at the same time, I could also see the Jets coming out and looking like they did against Miami and looking like total shit and and not doing anything at all and losing, you know, 24 to 3. I could see a nice tight game. I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what direction to go in this game. I bet the Jets on the money line for the hell of it because, you know, I just, you know, I want to sit and root for them. I want to root for the Jets for the first time all year since at least minimum since week three or something like that. Because, you know, early on when we saw how bad they were, we were just like, all right, this is not going to work out. Let's let, let's just go for that draft pick. I didn't think I'd have to root for 0-16, but as the weeks went on, you start rooting more and more. So for the first time since September, I'm honestly rooting for the Jets to win. So, of course, the, the dark sider in me is expecting them to come out and shit the bed because as soon as you root for them, they they... they screw you over you know the jets have not won in new england since the can't wait game in 2011 
and they have not won there in a regular season since Brett Favre was there. Brett Favre, if you remember a Thursday night game, I was actually there. It was one of my first road games. I was actually there. The Jets were up 24 to, I want to say it was 24 to 6 in the third quarter, and, and New England came back and tied it up, and then the Jets won in overtime. That is the, the game I got kicked out of. I got into a fight. The only fight I've ever gotten into in the stadium, I got into a fight. Me and this guy got into it, went at it. They kicked me out, and I had to watch the rest of the game outside on the big screens out there. So that's why I remember the game. That is the last time the Jets won in New England in the regular season. So who the hell knows what direction this can go? I don't even really care. I just want to root for them for the hell of it. They're locked into their draft position, and we're going to be talking a lot about that draft over the next couple of months, or even the next couple of weeks because there's already people going crazy with draft scenarios and and, uh, trade scenarios and will you know as you mentioned earlier I mean people are already talking about hey maybe Fields has played himself into being the number one pick I just I don't see it we'll talk more about it at another time so you know the bottom line the short version is I don't know which way to go either I expect the Jets to win but usually when you start to expect it goes the other way at least it's easy because like you said we're, we're locked into our draft pick yeah, but, but it, it is a lot easier rooting for the Jets when you know that even a win doesn't really screw us out of a draft position. We're locked in at number two. I will say this. If this win in any way, shape, or form mattered to the Patriots, there's no way I bet on the Jets. Belichick, Belichick against the Jets, if the game matters to the Patriots, uh, Patriots win. They win handily, and by handily, I mean ugly. So to me, the deciding factor betting on the Jets is Patriots are out of it. They're kind of just looking to start their family vacation, playing out the string. And the Jets, be it as it may that the game doesn't matter, but they are peaking. They, uh, there's something to be said for a team. Uh, there's something to be said to me for a team that's uh, confident, that's motivated, and I think the Jets are. When you have a two-game winning streak and you're on a terrible team, you have a chance to end the season on a three-game high note. So I think the Jets are really going to come out motivated. They're feeling confident right now. And I think it matters while the Patriots are kind of just showing up just to show up because they have to. So I think that's going to be a big momentum sort of thing that plays in the Jets' favor. That's why I do see them somehow pulling out a win this week. And I can't discount that even if the Patriots do show up hungry, motivated, ready to win the game, Cam Newton, the offense, have been disgracefully bad this season. Very uncharacteristic for the Patriots. We are very used to Tom Brady and just almost penciling them in to be division champs before the season starts. So um, just a, a new position for the Patriots to go into the final game of the season, knowing that regardless of what happens, you're packing your bags and you're going home. I also have jokingly said that this game is... Uh, it's an audition for Sam, it's an audition for Sam Darnold to see if he's going to be Bill Belichick's next starting quarterback. I hope that doesn't. I don't see it happening via a trade. But if the Jets are forced to cut him, I can definitely see Belichick scooping him up and see if he can turn him around. But boy, oh boy, I don't even want to go down that road. I hope that doesn't happen. You are playing right into the Jets' hands, man. By oh, the Jets, I think they're going to be good. They should come out and pull a victory. You're playing right into their hands. These are the games they lose. I've been I've been trying to nail these games all year, and, I, and I've been and up until last week, I was a week off on all of them. Anytime you expect the Jets to do well, they usually do not. You, you almost got to go opposite. So if you're really feeling like the Jets are going to win, you should be going to bed in New England. That's the way I look at it. I don't have a feel for it either way. I could see, I can, I honestly don't even care. I want to root for them to win, but I don't care about the game. I am in off-season mode now. I want it to be April. I want the draft to be here or at least the combine. I don't have to have the draft yet, but get me to March. Get me to the combine and let me start to see what, what they say about some of these guys. Let me get past the championship game in college football and see 
what Justin Fields does next week. So he has, he has another big game. Then you got a real shot that they might look at him from number one. And you're right. You're right. I don't want to get overexcited like we're talking about this game like it matters. I really don't care about tomorrow's game. I care, I care about it only because it's a football game. My team is playing and I'd like to see him beat New England. But it's almost like I won't even count it as a freaking real win if they do. New England's decimated. I mean, it, it, yeah, I want, I want the Jets to beat New England up there when it matters. If they're going to beat them once a year for the next 10 years in games where they're both, you know, two and 14 or, or, or six and 10, I'm not going to care. I want to get up there when, when the game matters and we can do something to hurt them. I agree. To me, the true excitement of uh, 2021, as far as the Jets are concerned, uh, it doesn't start tomorrow at the kickoff. And even if they beat the Patriots 40 to nothing, to me, the excitement begins when that game is over and Joe Douglas gets to work, whether it's the coaching, the free agency, the draft, the combine, that's when the fun is going to start. That's I want to see what Joe Douglas does because this is the offseason where he has to get his uh, roll up his sleeves. He has to put us on the right track, and uh, I hope it's a fast track. It can be a slow rebuild. That being said, again, I'm kind of just, uh, I can see this going so many different ways, but due to the Jets being confident, coming off two straight wins, I'm going to say the Jets pull this one out. It's going to be close, but the Jets at the end win 24-20. I simply believe the playmakers like Crowder, uh, maybe Mims, Darnold, again, cautious, but as long as he doesn't commit too many turnovers or hopefully any turnovers, I think the Jets will do just enough. And uh, the offense scores three touchdowns, first quarter, second quarter, fourth quarter, one field goal sprinkled somewhere in there. And the Jets win 24-20. All right. Give me give me your over-under. Does Darnold hit 200 yards this week? <sighs> You know what? Just for the heck of it, I'll say yes. I'll say he'll go between literally between 200 and 208 yards. And that's with the Jets really opening up the offense and letting him be and uh, being, being wild. So I'll say I'll literally say just a nut hair over 200 yards. Yeah, he's going to he's going to even audible and call his own plays and he's going to get the 208. All right. How about Denzel Mims? Does Denzel, does Denzel Mims have more or less than four targets? Oh, targets. Oh, man, that's a tough one. You know what? I'm going to say even money. That's You You picked such a good number. I'm going to say even on that. I'll say four targets seems just the perfect amount for them. I, I see Crowder being involved. And uh, oh, my God, what a late night that is. Uh, what's the name of the other wide receiver that's currently uh, eluding me? Perriman. The Jets' second starting wide receiver, uh, Perriman. I, I see him being and Crowder being heavily involved. I see the running backs getting some touches now that Frank Gore is out of the picture. So there's only, there's only so many slices of the pie to go around i'll say four targets for mims is a perfect number by you and that's what i'm gonna go with okay so how many catches does he have over under two i'll say three catches for something like 35 to 40 yard range and no touchdowns just a kind of a quiet game to end the season but uh, at least he'll get his hands on the ball a couple of times for some reason i see crowder continuing to have a big impact i'm gonna say crowder gets seven catches for 85 yards uh Typically, seven catches, you should be penciling in for one, 100, 100 to 10. But I'll say seven for 85 yards and a touchdown. That's uh, that's the main weapon for tomorrow. All right. Well, how many of those three touchdowns, obviously one of them, how many of those other th- other two touchdowns are going to be Donald passes as opposed to rushes or special teams or whatever else? I'll say he'll, uh, I'll say he connects uh, on two touchdowns. One is going to be Crowder and the other one is going to be either Perriman or a tight end somehow. If the Jets have a short field to work with and they end up with the ball inside the 10, that's when the Jets somehow actually do manage to utilize a tight end. Don't know which one it's going to be. But I'll say two touchdowns for Darnold, the Crowder, and I'll go with the tight end. 
The third touchdown is going to be via a run. Don't know which running back is going to get the lucky hand to get the carry that matters, but that's how I see the three touchdowns happening tomorrow. So you you going with 24-20. What is your best case? Now, The best is that your best case, or do you think the Jets can can kick their asses a little bit more? Uh, I don't know if, uh, if I'm drinking. I don't know if I'm not taking enough meds, but my best case scenario for this week is the Jets 29, the Patriots 13. That's That being said, it's just the Patriots really just mail it in, go through the motions. Very uncharacteristic of a Bill Belichick team, but we are talking of a best case scenario and a team that's used to be a team that's used to being in a position where this week they're kind of, if not resting their starters, they're certainly playing for at least a home court advantage, home field advantage or a first round by very unfamiliar, <laughs> very unfamiliar positions. So in a best case scenario for the Jets, Cam plays like he's played this whole season, absolute garbage. The team almost mails it in and looks lifeless while the Jets take advantage of uh, the Patriots and they just kick him when they're down. Jets show up confident, hungry, and determined to finish the season on a winning streak, and they really take it to the Patriots 29-13. Camp throw, has like two interceptions or a pick and a fumble, giving the Jets a couple of possessions with a really short field, allowing them to jump to an early lead, something like a 14-0, 14-3, maybe another field goal. We're talking about 17-3 going into the half, and the second half is... Not very exciting, a little bit by the Patriots, a little bit by the Jets, but the Jets end up cruising to a 29-13 win. That's my absolute best case scenario. And of course, you know what's coming, worst case. And my absolute worst case scenario is Bill Belichick lays down the hammer, reminds the Jets who their daddy is and that his name is Bill. Uh, the Patriots come out ready. They confuse the hell out of Sam Darnold and uh, Darnold plays like he played the first uh, couple of weeks of the season, which is let's just say uninspiring to be kind and uh, the jets collapse and lose 27 17 um to me even just a loss even just the loss to this patriots team would be bad but losing by two scores would be pretty disastrous so that's to me a worst case scenario 27 17 27 14 something in that range i don't have a huge feel so I'm going to have fun with my prediction, and I'm going to go either like a horrible 6-3 game or a 34-31 shootout. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. So I guess I guess what I'll do is I'll try and analyze it, but it's impossible because I, I just, you know, I don't know how much Bill Belichick's in my head. I don't know how much what the Jets have looked like the last two weeks is real. I don't know how much they're going to be motivated with Adam Gase out the door and all the turmoil going there and, and already being in off-season mode. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I will go with the realistic view uh, is that the the Jets will uh, the Jets should win. I, I am not going to write this in stone. They should win this game. I think as much as the Jets are horrendous, I think they're 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 just about as good as the Patriots are this year. At least, you know, the Jets best is as bad as the Patriots worst at the very least. And I don't. You know, I think with the momentum they have, maybe they just go out there and send the you know, good old skipper off with a win. Uh, so I, I think the best case is the Jets win. I'll call it, um, let's call it 27-20. Uh, All right, 27-20. Um, no, it's too high. I don't think it's going to, I think, I think it's going to be a little lower than that. I'm going to, I'm actually going to go, uh, 23, 17. So let's do that. 23, 17 jets, uh, in, in a most, in a kind of a realistic point of view, although I'm not confident. I see that. I can definitely see yeah. that. Yeah. I, I see it as, as a game being on a lower end, but just enough offense to keep the fans from falling asleep. 
and the Jets pulling it out. So they're very close. You have 23-17, I have 24-20. Now, obviously, it's your turn to give me your best-case scenario for the Jets if everything falls right tomorrow. Yeah, before I do best and worst case, I want to get a little twist on my realistic because since I have no feel and I feel that this could be a low-scoring, disgusting, boring game because the Jets haven't played one of those in a while, those like 10-6 kind of games. It's been a while. Uh, or, you know, it could be like, um, you know, like like a shootout, you know, 37-34 kind of thing. I don't, I don't really see that one happening, but for the hell of it, what the hell. I could see that happening if, you know, you know, just everything goes opposite way because the Jets don't score. The Patriots offense has been almost as bad as the Jets. I mean, it's terrible. So I will say that I will have some fun and say that realistically, it could be a 30, 37, 34, 34, 31 game in either direction. Or, or we can get one of those stinkers that the Jets used to play against the vi- bad division opponents all the time and lose 6-3, 10-6, 10-7, that kind of thing. My best case is that the Jets look like they did against Cleveland and the Rams in the first half. And then, you know, those teams are not as, you know, those te- those two teams are much better than New England is this year and that the Jets finished the job. So instead of it being up 20-3 to three like they were against the Rams or, I mean, I, th- I believe they were also up 20-20 20, 20 to what were they up against? What was the worst it was against Cleveland last week? It was twenty to twenty to six, whatever it was. They were up two scores for sure. Um, the Jets finished the job and 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 go, win going away, twenty seven to six, twenty seven to ten, something like that. That's the best case, and the worst case is that my my same old Jets. You know, they they show up when you expect them to and don't show up when you don't expect them to. Is you know the Jets do what they did against Miami. And that's, that's, I think, the worst-case scenario is that I finally get that game I've predicted for a couple of weeks, and Darnold is absolutely terrible, and the Jets lose, you know, 20, 21-3, 21-6, 21-9, and something like that. So that's my worst case. For uh, now, two questions for you. Number one, same thing you asked me, Sam Darnold, over under 200 yards. I'm going to have him right around 200. I will go under just for consistency, but again— I think any day, any week, Sam Darnold can have that 76-yard game where he's got a 33% completion percentage. I just, I just know he can. The last couple of weeks, even though he's looked good, and that that just shows just how bad our standards have become because he's he hasn't been good. He's been okay. Um, I think any week now he can have that kind of game. So I'm going to say he's going to be right around the 200 mark, slightly under 190 something. But it would not surprise me in the least if he came up with one of those seeing ghost game and, and threw for under 100 yards with a, a horrendous completion percentage. My other question, regardless of the outcome of the game, whether it's a 6-3 game, whether it's a shootout, Patriots win, Jets win, who do you think is going to be the star of the Jets offense? Uh, again, even if it's a 6-3 game and the star ends up leading the team with 29 receiving yards uh, on two catches, but who do you think shines for the Jets as they are bright spot on offense tomorrow? All right, if I'm being realistic, I have to go with the consistency and I have to say Crowder. I mean, it's been him all year. It was him all last year. Crowder is the only one. I mean, he's literally the only one who who gets touches and stats every single week. Everybody else is kind of, you know, you know, like Mims hasn't seen much since Darnold's been back. Perriman doesn't see a lot here and there. They'll go deep for him, and he'll either drop it or he'll catch that one pass. But Crowder is the one guy who's been consistent all through this year, all through last year. So uh, I'm just going to go with Crowder and, and, you know, play the odds. Same thing, Crowder, and uh, exactly for the reasons you summarized. I don't want to repeat what you said, but it's literally everything that you just summarized. I will say that Crowder, over the last couple of weeks, I went from being a fan of his and seeing him as a viable piece on the Jets uh, rebuild to being a huge fan of him. Uh, the guy is, you can call him now a veteran at this point, for him to sh- still show up when the team was 
0-13. The guy still showed up. He looks like the effort is there. He's he's engaged. He's making plays. Nothing but respect for that. He was, it would have been so easy for him to put his health first, kind of just be a step slow, not put himself in any of those situations where uh, this is a little risky. Let me not go down the middle. Let me not take that extra hit. The guy, at least to... To me, as far as an eye test is concerned, the guy is still playing balls to the wall, trying his best. I love it. I respect it. That's the guy that I want next season. I want him to be part of the rebuilding process. I really liked Crowder when he was with Washington. Uh, playing, you know, playing fantasy football, you get to know some of these slot receivers pretty well. Like the average guy may not know Crowder if they don't play fantasy, but I got to know Crowder and you know his speed, and he was he was always kind of a sneaky good player. So when the Jets signed him, I kind of liked it. Um, and he's a small dude, so he's never going to be a big outside receiver. But as a slot receiver, he he's he's as good as it gets. You know, if you if you're not talking about the Wes Welker, Julian Edelman level, you know, Crowder Crowder's a solid guy. And I think if the Jets actually had some weapons with a quarterback who get who can get them get the get the ball to them. Uh, Crowder could could blow up even more. I mean, he's always he's always had that potential and that little bit like that little bit of a hey, there's there's definitely more there kind of thing, you know. And look at how he's doing in an offense that's been brutal. So I I really like Crowder, and you know, just going with the odds, he'll probably be the guy that is that is seeing the most targets and catching the most balls, and he's just been the guy all year. And if it's not going to be Gore, which it's obviously not. And, um, you know, it's going to be him. I'm curious to see which running back is going to get touches. Who is, uh, will somebody step up? Listen to me. This is my, this might be one of those games when I'm, when a running back who had I had a chance all season blows up for 120, 130 yards and suddenly pencils him in as at least a name to keep an eye on when we enter the training camp next season. It's it's a possibility, and I hope it happens. I hope we see a running back really blow up for the Jets. Ty Johnson's getting the start, so um, I don't know where it goes from there. Uh, I think I think I remember reading that P Ryan was um, in the COVID protocol. Yes, so he may yes, not be that was confirmed. Yeah, he's so. not playing. The, Johnson is the young kid, correct? Or am I really off my rocker here? No, he's he's young. I mean, he, he came up with Detroit like two years ago. Um, I remember okay. him getting a couple of carries for them. So he's probably I, I would say he's in his third year, maybe second. I wouldn't be I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's as much as four, but I don't think so. So I'm going to say second or third. Okay, I'm just looking forward to seeing a running back get a bulk of the carries whose name is not Frank Gorson. Uh, so let's see if somebody can really step up and uh, put something on film that'll make the Joe Douglas say, hey, 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 we got to really keep this guy. This is something to to monitor. Maybe we have something. Maybe we uncovered something here. Speaking of Joe Douglas, real quick before we before we uh, take off and then talk about more next week, you, you were talking earlier about how uh, now he's on the clock and you're excited to see what he can do. And, and I, I, I am really, really excited for the fact that he now took this year to, to break things down completely because he, he came in late last year. This year, he didn't have much flexibility at all. He had to fill some holes and, you know, that he, he didn't have the ability to build the team yet. He instead he was going the other way, but this year, this year, year three for Joe Douglas starts the year where he starts to put his fingerprints on things. He starts to put his mark and this becomes Joe Douglas's team. So I am, I am really super excited to see what direction he goes in the draft, what free agency signs, how he's going to build this team. And 
unlike the other guys where I was like, well, we have to see what direction they go. I have a lot of confidence in him. So I am, and that's part of the reason for the excitement. It's not that I just can't wait to see excitement. It is that, holy shit, we have a guy who knows what he's doing. I can't wait to see how the foundation gets put in there. You know, we'll worry about the house later. The foundation is going to be laid now. And I'm, and I'm super stoked to see what he does. I agree with you 100%. The, the, that's why I'm so excited about this offseason. And the fact that the Jets did so bad Almost now, looking back and uh, the fact that it land, landed us a top draft pick, we know it got rid of the coach you and me can't stand. This offseason is the first time that Douglas is getting a blank piece of paper. He's got his blank canvas. The building starts now. So I want to he can't miss on the foundation. He misses that. Everything else is wobbly. But you have draft picks. It comes out to what he's going to do with the high draft pick, whether it's a trade out, what he can get in the return, stocking up on more draft. But most importantly, he absolutely cannot miss on his next head coach. It's got to be somebody who is uh, on the same page as him. And uh, whether they go with a quarterback, whatever that may be, I'm just excited that here, Joe Douglas, you have your blank notepad. Let's begin and let's not mess it up because you mess up the foundation. Everything else is a shit show from there on out. Yeah, I don't think he'll mess up the foundation. I think he is going to build it the right way. Where I think it could go wrong is if he doesn't hire the right coach and they don't develop the players. Because even in only one year, I mean, he came from the Ravens organization. He did a great job with the Eagles organization. And and it is such a stark contrast to what the Jets have done for the past 20 years to see how he drafted and what he did and, and to see all these little moves. So I have the confidence he'll make those moves correctly. It's a matter of whether hopefully he gets the, the head coach right, the head coach can develop those players, and then they can stay the course because that's going to be the key. So we're not going to see too much of what Joe Douglas does for a couple of months, but we will see immediately within the next couple of days, how he handles the firing of Adam Gase, and then we'll start to see who some of the candidates are. I'm thinking we probably don't get a hire until after the Super Bowl, or maybe, you know, maybe this could be a case where he's got his guy lined up, and then he, he might have a guy hired in two weeks after they go through the, you know, through the uh, the Rooney protocol and, and interview some guys. But that that is step one as the coach, and I don't think we're going to know much about how that direction is going to go. The more exciting stuff is the players, but you're absolutely right. The coach is is the biggest key here, and him being on the same page as Douglas because Douglas is hiring him is going to be something we have not had on the Jets in over a decade. Absolutely. You were in your 20s. I was in my 30s. The last time we had a coach and a GM on the same page, and Time goes so quick that you don't really realize that. It's been years of rooting for losses so we can get draft picks. It's been years for praying coaches will be fired. This is going to be completely alien to me, but I am welcoming it. I am so looking forward to to having some kind of things to look forward to and 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 you know, new new experiences with this freaking team, man. I just, you know, I'm, I'm excited heading into this offseason for the first time in a while. And I'll be honest, the, the only thing that I read today, I actually saw an article today that one of the candidates is the guy from Florida, Dan Mullen, whatever his name is. He's one of the candidates. It was the article made sure to note he's not the top candidate, but the article also went up to say that the Jets have a very, very long list of people they intend to talk to, whether, whether it comes to fruition as far as interviewing them. But from what I read, it's a very, very lengthy list of uh, potential targets. The, it seems like the Jets are going to be very cautious, very careful. I do hope that they give Douglas the ultimate power to make that decision because that's what you brought him in for. And one thing I'm not going to do is I'm going to try not to be pessimistic and say, oh, this is this is not the guy. This is not the draft pick, whatever. It's not. I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to sit back 
because I do believe that we have a good general manager. I was excited when he was hired as a GM. So I'm going to sit back and just kind of trust the process and observe. I'm going to try not to be the depressed, judgmental fan. I'm going to just literally trust Joe Douglas. I look forward to discussing the, the hirings, the draft picks, the offseason moves, and all that's to come after this game tomorrow. I look forward to discussing and dissecting it with you at length. But I'm really going to try to kind of take the approach of let's trust the guy. We brought him in here with a lot of faith in him. So let's let's trust him. Let's trust the process and just uh, see where it goes. It's funny you say that because I was thinking that the other day. You know, we, we have been picking in the top five or six for so long that I that I, I'm like experienced at, at getting my head stuck on one guy and not getting him or d- getting him. And it turns out not to be what I want. You know, I, I have had the same thought as you this year. I'm going in with an open mind. I am not going to judge the picks they make or the or the different things I'm hearing, because as much as I want to think I'm knowledgeable about that stuff, I'm not. I don't know enough about college players. I certainly don't know enough about coaches. And even if I did, you never know what a coach is going to do when he comes in here with with a completely clean slate and a different organization. All of it, nobody, not a single person has any idea how this is going to turn out. So I was thinking that exact thing the other day is I am going to sit back. I'm going to, I'm going to observe what goes on and just be open-minded about whatever they do rather than sitting and judging and getting my head stuck on a coach or a player that they want them to draft and you know and then being disappointed or super happy and it doesn't work out because I was thrilled when they hired Todd Bowles I was open-minded about Gase because he was an offensive guy and none of these things work out the way I expected I was beyond excited with Sam Darnold as our pick I really was I don't I can't say that I was hoping for Allen or Baker I was in love with Darnold so I'm gonna be a fan I'm gonna trust in Joe Douglas I'm gonna discuss and dissect what he does and the the hiring the draft whatever that may be but I'm just kind of, I'm not going to try to do his job for him and then be depressed and angry when it doesn't go my way. I'm just going to follow the news and see what he does. You inadvertently made my point perfectly because the year Sam Darnold was drafted, I did all this reading and research and everybody said that Josh Rosen was the most NFL ready. Now, I didn't say he was the most talented and there was a lot of concern about the, the fact that he was skinny and he was a trust fund kid and wh- whether there was going to be any motivation. But I got my mind stuck on Josh Rosen and I, and I wanted him because he was NFL ready. And I was and once Baker Mayfield went and the Giants didn't take a quarterback, I was I was sitting there screaming for Josh Rosen like an idiot, which is a perfect point in case case in point why I am not going to sit here and get stuck on a guy this year. And, you know, if they would have got Rosen, I would have been thrilled. And and what would have happened? He would I mean, he would make Sam Donald look like freaking Joe Montana. You know, funny enough, I have to I have to admit my mistake, too. In the same draft, when the Bills ended up drafting Josh Allen, I smiled. I sat back and I said, Great. Buffalo just set themselves backwards three years. This guy's going to be a total bust. He's uh, he's not ready. He's not accurate. This, that, and the other. I was just the I was the Monday morning quarterback, and I was so proud of myself because I said, "Great, we can we can erase Buffalo as a contender for the next couple of years." Because in two, maybe three years tops, they're going to be back where they are now, looking for a quarterback early in the first round. Look at me, how smart and right I was on that one. 
I thought the same thing too. I want to know part of them, especially in the Northeast in a windy place like MetLife, you know, like God forbid we get to a big game in December and he can't throw it away. Like God forbid we ever got to a big game in December. That would be the thing. It wouldn't be if he was going to be accurate. If we ever had one, we'd worry about it then, you know? All right. A couple of quick Facebook posts before we go, because you can imagine what it's like out there today. It's like, you know, it's like a Times Square on New Year's Eve with these people if the Justin Fields had the game he did and Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great game, whatever, whatever. So, I sent you one yesterday, um, you know, that, that one where, <laughs> where the guy said... Um, that just tells you the level of knowledgeable fans out there who are posting on social media. He said, there's only two trades that Jets should do with their number two pick. First, trade with the Jaguars, number two pick, and Sam Darnold for the number one. <laughs> I mean, what the... F- who the hell thinks that, that the Jaguars would drop a spot to get, grab something other than Trevor Lawrence and use Sam Darnold as bait? I mean, come on. You're giving up Trevor Lawrence on the rookie contract to get Darnold and basically guaranteeing overpaying. Oh, it just. And yeah, and then they would be, they would be obviously with the second pick, they'd be taking somebody other than a quarterback. So I guess, you know, I don't know, wide receiver, the, the offensive lineman, whatever. So basically, you're trading Trevor Darnold for. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, excuse me, for Sam Darnold and you know Penny Sewell or whatever, just just not going to happen. The second one, I, I mean, it's slightly better, but it's still terrible. You want to you want to trade the number two pick to drop two spots and and take on Julio Jones with a monster contract when he's in his thirties because the name still looks sexy to somebody who has absolutely no fucking clue about the game. They remember Julio Jones when they probably did fantasy and drafted him three years ago when he was a monster. And uh, because he had a great fantasy season, the that same fan who won the fantasy league because of Julio Jones is thinking three years later, this is the guy. This is the guy we have to bring to New York. That's the only explanation I have for it. Okay, here's one. That, here's another Facebook post that is just like, yo, sorry to break it to you. If we was, and this is, I'm saying this as he wrote it, if we was drafting a quarterback, we wouldn't have given up Lawrence. What did you expect? Did you, did you just want him to forfeit the game and not show up just because the Jaguars were, uh, the Jaguars gave us that uh, that window that we were ahead of them? Did you expect the Jets? Yes. You and me wanted them to go 0-16 and, and secure Lawrence, but did you really expect them to just completely just forfeit the game? Say no. COVID protocol, nobody's showing up. You got to play the game and things worked out. Well, I mean, it's funny. I don't think we spoke about this and, and I meant to last week, but the punter in the Ram game who, uh, you know, he tackled he tackled the player that was about to run a punt back for a touchdown. He had people uh, texting him on social media, telling him he was an asshole and he blew it and whatever. I mean, these people were seriously going after the punter for tackling the guy in the game and, and they cost us a future and our and a number one draft pick. I mean, these what kind of level of intellect do you have that when you talk about a team tanking, you think the players go on the field trying to lose? At no point ever in all of our talking about hoping they go 0-16, did we ever once for a split second even think, much less talk about the Jets going out and losing games on purpose. It doesn't freaking happen. And even when we talked about Belichick potentially doing it to screw the Jets, we were half joking, but it was never about the players going on the field and trying to lose. It was always about, you know, the coach or the, or the organization putting them in a bad position and hoping for the best. And that's the hope most you can hope for to, to go after a punter for t- making a tackle in the middle of a game is the most asinine thing ever. And then to have a post like that, where we gave Lawrence away, just it, it just boggles my mind. We were we were making our predictions based on the ineptitude ineptitude of the team that we saw season to date. Nothing we saw gave us any reason to bet on them winning a game. So we were 
we were going on what we saw. The other thing I have to say, and that's, I know it's a totally different topic and maybe we'll cover it uh, in one of our off-season podcasts, but that's the one thing that I truly cannot stand about social media. If you're a fan of the game, I'm sorry, social media should be kind of, you interact, you follow, you you make posts, but when you when you literally try to make personal contact with a player that you watch just to threaten him or call him an asshole, there's absolutely no place for it. Like, sit your ass home, watch the game. You have absolutely no business reaching out to a player on social media. Not only that, reaching out for him, making a good play. It was a good football play, and you're calling him an asshole because you as a fan wanted Trevor Lawrence. It's just, just that's one thing about social media I find absolutely appalling and disgusting on every level. Yeah, and if uh, you know, even though it's the punter is the smallest guy on the team, not a single one of those people would ever say it to his face. You know, no, that's that's the thing that not. gets me is these freaking keyboard warriors. All right, a couple of other quick little things. That's pretty much it for the Facebook post. I just want to talk a little bit more about stuff that I've seen on Facebook today. One of them was people doing the I told you so routine and saying, oh, yeah, see, everybody wanted him, some generational quarterback. Like Trevor Lawrence had a terrible game. I mean, did, did you see his stats? He did not have a terrible game. He just he yeah. ran into a quarterback who had a career game. And, and a defense that couldn't stop him. But uh, Trevor Lawrence was 33 for 48, 400 yards, two touchdowns, had an interception, but, and, but put 28 points on the board. If you're going to tell me that's a bust, I mean, Sam Darnold hasn't had a game like that yet, even when he was playing well. So then the same people are now talking about Justin Fields, you know, and I told you sewing about him. The same people who last week were talking about they didn't want any part of him. So now this this is going to be a, a bunch of a bunch of fun months ahead of. Me. I look forward to it. Let's get this season over with tomorrow night. I hope it happens early enough that by the time we log on to do our podcast, he's already officially out of a job. But if not, it's a matter of days, and I'm counting every minute. We are doing a post game podcast, but even if it's a little bit later at night. If he has not been fired yet, we're doing one the night he's fired. There's no doubt about it. So make the time. We are getting on here, and we are having a freaking party. Get the beers ready. We are going. We are going all out to celebrate the firing of Adam Gates. So be ready. You're on. Enjoy the last game tomorrow, and I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Himself?